The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began a new series entitled Mortifying Your Members. In his letter to the Colossian Church, the Apostle Paul encourages them to set their affections on things above and not on things on the earth, and he reminds them that they are dead and their lives are hid with Christ in God, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then he begins to instruct them in kingdom living. That is, the way they must live and operate in the kingdom of God here on earth. The first thing he tells them is to mortify or murder some of their members. And he names them fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which he calls idolatry. We're going to see that there's some things to put off and there's some things to put on. But ultimately, what we're learning is that when we set our affections on things above, we need to put to death the natural inclinations of our flesh. Join us today as we continue looking at mortifying our members. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
This is where we are every day. You say, well, I try to dress up to come to church. And I, of course, you know I'm not talking about your outward garments. But, you know, maybe, well, on Sundays I try to repent and I try to, you know, think about all the things I've done and I come to church maybe doing a little better. But listen, you're at, seated at the right hand of the Father every single day. Every day. When we're, me and Brother Glendon got out here early yesterday morning to, to, to watch, well, I said to help the guy, really to watch the guy <laughs> do the work. Brother Glendon helped. But to watch the guy do the work. And uh, I didn't have on my coat and tie. But as I stood there in my work clothes with my, with my work cap on, I was nonetheless in the presence of the king because I'm risen with Christ. And he is seated on the right hand of God. And that's where we are in Christ. Every single day, we're sitting with Christ in the presence of God. Verse 3 here back in Colossians says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. We are hid in Christ. We are not of the world. You see that? We were of the world. When we got, but when he born us again, we're no longer of the world, even though we live in the world. We are hid with Christ in God. We live here, but we're not of here. As Philippians tells us, he says, our conversation is in heaven. And that word conversation only appears that one time in the Greek form in the scripture. And it's talking about our citizenship, our citizenship. You know, I'm a citizen of the United States and I'm proud to be an American, but I'm more thankful to be a citizen of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. You know, that's why I don't get upset about politics. I mean, you know, y'all know I'm involved in it. And I do get caught up in it sometimes, but generally speaking, I don't, get, I don't get caught up in it. I don't get to worrying about politics. I want the best candidate to win. I want the candidates to win who have biblical values, and I pray that they will. But I know that my hope is not in this world. My citizenship is not here anymore. I've been translated from the kingdoms of darkness into the kingdom of His marvelous light, you see. And even if the United States of America falls tomorrow, I'm still a citizen of heaven. If, if I got deported, if I got sent to, the, to, to North Korea, the worst dictatorship you can think of in this, in this world that hates Christians, that puts Christians down, that puts them to death, if I end up over there and I end up losing my life, that's okay. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. That's where my citizenship is. child of God, we don't need to be spiritual zombies. <laughs> Think about that. You know what's a zombie? It's somebody that thinks they're still part of the living world when they're really dead. You know, they're out there dead to it. We are dead to this world. We don't need to be walking around in this world living and acting as if we're still a part of it. You see. See, I, I like that word to be hid. It says we're hid in Christ. And you know, you know what happens when you're hid? You escape notice, right? <laughs> you're hiding from somebody. And, and that, that, that verb that, it's, that that word comes from means to conceal by covering. Child of God, we are covered in the blood of Christ and therefore hid from the world. 
I know you got to go to work. I got to go to work. We all have to live and work in this world. We have to be in the world, but we are not of the world. We are seated with Christ. We are risen with Christ who is sitting at the right hand of God. And notice, see, then he reminds us every time of where we're going. <laughs> What's the underlying hope that we have in every situation of life? Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory. I don't care what we're facing in life. I don't care whether it's cancer, whether it's sickness, whether it's uh, financial ruin, whether it's trouble in your family, whether it's trouble in your community, whether it's trouble in your nation. I don't care what the problem is. You know what, you know what fixes everything? The resurrection. Amen. Fixes everything. You're struggling with grief, lost a loved one. You, you, you've been given six months to live. That's not true. Christ gave you eternity to live. <laughs> Think about it. You, you, you're having all kinds. Look, our, our prayer request list. That, that prayer request list, look how long it is. And look at all the marks I got on it. Added some to it today. That prayer request list gets longer and longer. You know what happens when the Lord comes back? It's like he takes an eraser and whoosh, it's gone. <laughs> it's empty. There's no more prayer requests because there's no more prayer. Prayer's not needed anymore. The resurrection fixes everything, and the resurrection should inform everything that we do in life. Think about it this way. Now, I know what the Armenian world teaches out there. They say, you better be living right because you might get caught in the wrong place or the wrong position and doing something you shouldn't be doing, and then, then when the Lord comes back and he might just throw you in hell because of that. That's not, that's not the message. If you're a child of God, you're always going to be a child of God, and you're going to be in heaven one day. But I would much rather be standing on the mountain with Abraham than in the valley of Sodom with Lot when the Lord comes to visit. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I would. I, I would wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be glorious if he came while we're in church? <laughs> That'd make it easier. Most, I, don't, I don't see any people, many people out there fighting or, you know, swinging at each other or cursing each other or, you know, hollering at each other. Nobody's really doing that right now. You're just listening to me. But you see, the problem's not when I'm talking up here. The problem's going to be when I, when I sit down and shut up and you go back out there. <laughs> and, you know, I let you in on a little secret. That's a problem for me, too. That's a problem for me, too. Your preacher has the same problem. I wish he'd come back when we're in church. My luck, he'll come back when I'm, somebody's cut me off in traffic, you know. That's, Lord, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> Please, Lord, don't come back when I've been cut off in traffic because I'm sure going to be ashamed, I'm afraid. But you see, the point is, is that that ought to inform us in every decision we make in life. You know, I, everything we do you know, when somebody makes you mad, and sometimes it happens legitimately so. Sometimes they're wrong and you're right, you know. Sometimes it really is that way. But, you know, when you can remember that there have been many times that you've been wrong and he's always right, then maybe we can just forgive that brother or sister like we haven't maybe in the past, you see. See, he reminds us where we're going. Right now, we are hid in Christ. One day, we will appear with Christ, you see. 
And therefore our focus should be on those things which are above. Back in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. This is basically what he's saying here. He's saying to you and I, hey, are you a child of God? Then act like it. Now that's pretty simple, isn't it? Are you a child of God? Have you been born of the Spirit? Do you feel the tug of his spiritual things? Then act like it. See, it's pretty simple, really. There's nothing complicated in this Bible, not even the end times that people like to make complicated. He's coming back, okay? It's just simple. He reminds us, he reminds us where we are, and he reminds us where we're going. And then he commands us to do some things, which is the heart of what I wanted to preach to you this morning, and I probably don't have time to preach very much on it, <laughs> but we're going to start it. Verse 5. He commands us to mortify or to murder some things. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which also ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. That word mortify is the Greek word nekrao. That word nekrao means to make dead or to murder. So to mortify means to murder. He's saying here that we need to murder some things. And the things that we need to murder are our members. I'll come back to that in a moment, but that, that idea of members is the idea of body parts. There are parts of us that we need to put to death. And the first thing we need to see is these are commandments and not suggestions. These aren't suggestions. He didn't say, okay, well, if you can, just kind of avoid these things. Walk away from them when you're able. And No, he didn't say that. He said we must actively murder these things that are in our lives. And he lists them there, fornication, uncleanness, and so forth. We're not going to get into each one individually today. Lord willing, we'll come back to that and talk about them. But notice that he lists the first one in big, it ought to be in big letters, I guess you might say. He, the very first one is fornication. What is the common problem out in the world today? It's, it's the promotion of fornication. Fornication is simply any sexual activity outside the bounds of marriage. Well, let me just say this, by the way. We've already mentioned homosexuality. We like to, we like to take that one and set it aside and make it, oh, that's a particular category that's different from all the others. Well, it's different in one sense, in the sense that it, it represents the end of a long, slow degradation, okay? Along, when you start getting down, it's, it's sort of a, it's, it's a continual decline. And the consequences of that can be societal. If you don't believe me, look at Sodom. But you know what homosexuality really is? It's just a category, a subcategory of fornication. And this is my point. When we look over at adultery, or premarital sex, or other kinds of fornication and we say oh well that's one thing but hey homosexuality uh -uh. lord's not pleased with that let me tell you something they're all on the same level with god there's not some better fornication and worse fornication yes there are worse consequences absolutely and 
Ultimately, as I said, you go talk to the folks in Sodom one day, and they'll tell you that when the society gets so loose and so, uh, uh, so open, so to speak, with sin that it becomes the public policy, there's problems, and it leads to that. But you know where it started? It didn't start with that sin. It started just with simple fornication, the breakdown of the family and the marriage relationship, you see. We'll come back to that, Lord willing, on another message, but it's very important that we understand there are some things that afflict us. You know, that's, that's the first sin, is it not? The first issue that arose after Adam and Eve sinned is, you know, they were naked beforehand. It didn't bother them. But then after they ate of that fruit, they knew they were naked. Something changed in their minds. And, and is not that the thing that's blasted across our TV screens and, and put up? You know, I, I can remember when we were out in Las Vegas some time back and uh, looking up at all these billboards and billboards of advertising shows. And, and there was so much nakedness being promoted, you see. And that leads to fornication. These are commandments, child of God, not suggestions. He does not call us to sin less. Remember back over in Romans chapter 6, he didn't say, oh, let's just sin a little bit less. He said, God forbid that we do these things. The call is not to try to sin less. The call is to put these things to death. And, and I want you to notice something about these things that are listed in, in chapter or in verse 5 here. Verse 5 is talking about sins of desire, sins of the heart, okay? We're going to come down to verse um, 8, and we're going to be told to put off some things. But those are primarily focused on sins of the hands, sins of action, sins that we do. But it starts in the heart. Back over in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27, if you want to work on yourself, you need to start from the inside out, not from the outside in. Now, certainly, if you're committing some particular sin, we'll see that in a moment, uh, uh, we need to just stop it, certainly. But, but ultimately, we need to deal with the things that are in our heart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27 ye have heard that it was said by them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart and then he goes on to say this if thy right eye offend thee pluck it out and cast it from thee for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Notice what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, there's some pretty radical amputation that you may have to do in your life. Now, before we go any further... Understand, he's not talking about taking a hatchet and cutting off your hand. <laughs> he's not talking about, you remember, he's talking about the heart here, you see. He's saying if there are things in your life, for in instance, in this case, lust, in this case, lust and fornication, if that's your main problem, then get rid of the things that are tempting you to sin. If you can't watch TV without that temptation, get rid of your TV subscription. Give your wife or your husband your computer password filter, you know, your computer filter password. Uh, you know, nobody ever has or will completely kill sin, but there's some radical amputation that may have to happen in order to murder these members that you're struggling with, these problems that you have. 
And remember, too, it is a crucifixion. It's not a swift execution. Over in Galatians, he tells us in chapter 5 and verse 24 that they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. Turn back over to Romans 6 again. We didn't read down through here, but look in Romans 6 and verse, uh, verse 5. He says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this also that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed and his, that henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, remember this. Crucifixion is not a swift execution. Crucifixion is a slow, painful death. That's one, it was one of the most torturous deaths that there are. And this is the point I believe he's making is that murdering your members will take time and much effort. It's not just something you can turn the switch on and you say, okay, I've done it. There, I'm good. I don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, I said earlier that the members are talking about body parts, literally, but figuratively, as here, it's pointing us to the parts of our lives that we struggle with, the parts of our lives that are ever-present with us. And, and I want to say to you, it's not so much focusing on the fleeting temptations, but on the things in our lives that keep coming back. And, and what Jesus is saying here is that it's going to take radical surgery sometimes. It's, you know, we've been talking about people with heart issues. It may take radical heart surgery. It's not just pulling off a, a hangnail, you see. It's not just a little problem with a toenail. It's heart surgery. The general objects of this mortification are the sins of the heart, which we will deal with later in more detail. And we have to murder those things that are in our hearts. Jesus Back over in Matthew 15, you don't have to turn there because our time is short, but uh, Jesus identified the source of the problem as the heart. He said the things that proceed out of our mouths, they're the things that come from our heart. And fornications, murders, all those things come from our heart. You know, most of us, if we'll be honest with each other about it or with ourselves, we most of us have about four or five what I call besetting sins. You remember over in Hebrews 12, when it says the sins that do, does so easily beset us. You know, that, that word for besetting means standing around. And it's the idea of a competitor who thwarts a racer in, in every direction. In other words, it's always there. Everywhere you turn, you're always dealing with it. And, and it's skillfully surrounding you. And most of us have probably four or five besetting sins. If you don't know what they are, ask your husband or wife and they can tell you. <laughs> I guarantee you. Is it anger? Is it something else? Yeah, they can just about tell you. I can think about my life of the sins that afflict me the most. You know, for example, you know, it's not really, I really don't struggle with going down and robbing banks. You know, that's just not a sin that besets me. I'm not struggling with going to Belk and shoplifting. That's not something I really worry with too much. It doesn't beset me, okay? But there are other things that do. Anger besets me. Uh, other things like that beset me. And that's the point is that those things we must murder. And then in verse 8, he says, he commands us to put off some things. And these are primarily the sins of the hands. That is the sins that we do, the things we commit, the actions. He says, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. To put off means to lay aside. We must murder the members of sin in our hearts. We must put off the old man 
the members, uh, the sins that we commit with our hands. See, we start with the heart, though, because it's hard to put off what you lay up in your heart. But remember this, too, child of God. It's not about your feelings. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Or you, you know, I talk to, sometimes to people who are addicted to, to alcohol or drugs, and they feel like they need the drugs, but if they'll put off that and they'll stop doing the drugs, eventually their thoughts will come back around, you see. That's the whole point of rehab. And then finally... He reminds us of the reason for doing these things as we bring this to a close. You see, kingdom living requires that we do better than our human nature demands. Kingdom living requires that we put down our human nature. We murder those members of sin that are in our hearts and we put off those sins that we commit uh, on a daily basis. And we live in the way that he wants us to live. Remember what he said in verse 6. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walk sometime. He reminds us of what we were. You can go back at Ephesians chapter 2 and read about it. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. If you're no longer dead in trespasses and in sins, you've been quickened, you see, by God. And he says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were something else, but now we're not. I was one way, and now I'm different. I've still got the old man and the old ways in me, but there's a new way, you see. And because of that, because of what we were, we ought to be doing these things. Then in verses 9 through 10, he reminds us <clears throat> that we ought to do these things because of what we have done. He says, put off the old man, he told us in verse 8. Uh, in verse 9, he says, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. We have put off the old man. We have put on the new man. We're told in 2 Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In verse 11 then, he tells us that we ought to do these things because of what we're now experiencing. He said, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Because of now what we're experiencing, especially those of us who have united in a church way, we've found that the divisions are gone away and the unity is there because Christ is all and in all. You see, all we do here is... Christ and he is in all that we do and then in verse 12 he reminds us he says put on therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved he reminds us of who we are that we are the elect of God we did not get here on our own we did not get here on our own in Ephesians which in many ways parallels Colossians he tells us in chapters 4 he said we're to Forbear one another and forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And child of God, that's the whole basis for kingdom living. You see, we don't have the right to offend others anymore. But also, we don't have the right to be offended by others anymore. Because think about what would have happened if Christ were offended by you and held a grudge. Think about what would happen if he looked down upon you and said, well, I've had all I can take. See, we don't have that right anymore. 
We don't have the right to do anything but to do what he says to live in peace in the kingdom. And it's a difficult task. I realize everything I'm preaching to you this morning is impossible in the flesh. It's impossible in the old man. The only thing that's possible in the old man is to continue to dwell and live like the world. But see, we've been given a new man. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And even as difficult as the task is, Paul told the Philippians over in chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. See, the can't help it excuse doesn't work anymore. Oh, God made me this way. I just can't help it. No, God made you new. God, Adam made you the way you are in the flesh. God made you new in Christ. And because of who we are, the elect of God, we must put off these things, we must murder these members, and we must, as we'll see, put on the things of Christ so that we can live together in peace in the kingdom. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 